Welcome to our podcast here at Encounter Church in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. We pray that as you listen to this message, you will not only be challenged, but changed. Our desire is to be a place where life starts, love happens, and purpose is revealed. If you're in our area, join us on Sunday mornings at 9 or 11 a.m. and every first Wednesday at 6.45 p.m. For more information about our church, you can visit us at EncounterChurch.today or follow us on social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or Periscope. Just search eChurchBR. We invite you now to open your hearts to receive what God has for you. Here's today's message. Hand on your heart. We're going to pray today. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for the privilege that we have to be in your house. God, we thank you, God, today that the word is going out. And God, our heart needs to be the ground to receive the seed. God, prepare our hearts, help our hearts, change our hearts. God, to be what you have called us to be. We love you, we praise you, we adore you. In Jesus' name, shout amen. Come on, high five two people around you and say, I hope you got a kiss today. I hope you got, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not offering you one. As well. Come on, say to them, I'm not offering you one. If you didn't get one, that's on you. Come on, fantastic. Say with me, unity. Unity. Unity is where what? Where two become one. That's God's plan for our lives. God wants us to live in unity. Every area of our lives, God doesn't want us divided. That's the ploy of Satan. Satan wants to divide us. Look around us today, the culture, the times we live in, so divided. So much hatred today in our homes even. So much hatred on the news and division, race, just groups, just so much division everywhere we look and people who are taking sides and that's not what God wants. And God wants to restore unity and God is the only one that truly can. Because we can sit in a room and talk about racism and we can talk about how we need to treat each other better and how we need to do this, that. and the, But really what's going to change it is not dialect, it's a heart that's surrendered and changed. And only God can change a heart. The only one that can bring unity into your marriage. Oh, you've got to be nice to each other, but God needs to change your heart. And so we're looking at how God can change our hearts. Two weeks ago, Pastor Pete preached a message on your mind. James 1 verse 8, a double-minded man will be unstable in all of his ways. So many people are divided in their minds. And as a result, they have a divided life. It's a destroyed life. And we realize this, that everything begins with a thought. So we need to have the mind of Christ. We need to have peace in our minds. Last week, we talked about your marriage. Genesis 2.24, a man shall leave his father and his mother and shall be joined to his wife, a man and woman together, God's design for marriage. We see what the world has tried to say today, that anything goes. No, God says man and woman join together and they shall become one flesh, unified together. So last week we talked about how can I build a successful marriage? And we discovered that we would only do that by God's law by God's instruction. And here's the four laws that we taught you on last week, the law of priority, pursuit, possession, and priority. If you apply those to your marriage, you're going to be successful. There was a lot of information last week. So what did we challenge you? Plug the lowest hole. Sit down with your spouse, your spouse-to-be. Say, what's the area that we need to work on? What's the biggest need that we have? Then start there. Plug the lowest hole and begin to work forward from that. And we gave you plenty of time to talk about that this week. You had Valentine's Day to do that. And I pray when you're out on that dinner and that hot date that you talked about these things. I know Kelly and I did. We talked about what needs to happen in our lives. 
I repented of some things and said, I need to do some things better. Kelly said, we came away from that night saying, we're going to be in this together. We're going to come together and we're going to see God move in a greater, greater way. And today I want to talk about unity in the home. Say with me, unity in the home. Unity in the home. And I realize today there's three groups of people here when we start talking about family and home. There's those who have no kids. There's those who have kids and there's those who have grandkids. So if you have no kids right now, again, don't shut off because this is good for you to know because it's better to learn before so you can make the right steps towards. So when you have kids, you need to know this truth for your life. Now, those who are raising kids, help us, Jesus. We need to hear this today because we need godly advice how to build a family and a home that honors God. But our grandparents in the house, you need to hear this more than ever. Why is that? Because you have forgotten everything about parenting. No, think about that. I I laugh about this a lot with my mom and dad. I'm like, man, you would have killed me for what you allow my kids to get away with right now. Is anyone with me on that? And they just remind me that they were sent to this earth. They've already done the parenting. Now they're just doing the spoiling. Well, gee, thanks, because we have to take them back. So all the grandparents in the house, you need to listen today too, and be reminded. Here's our theme scripture, Genesis 11, verse 6. God came down and God said, look, The people are united. They speak the same language. We're going to talk about that next week in our vision. They are united. They speak the same language. After this, after what? After coming together as one or as one, God says nothing they set out to do will ever be impossible for them. So we're talking about our home today, our family, parenting. So think about that scripture in realm. God is telling you today that when as parents you come together and there's unity in your home, then anything is possible. That nothing is on a... Oh, well, we'll never have that. No, no, God says different. God says when we come together, speak the same language, anything becomes possible. Everything is obtainable and available. And so what a promise that we have through unity. So today again, let's talk about unity in our homes. And you're going to discover that some of the things that we're going to talk about today, we already discussed last week. But you can't separate your family from your marriage because without a marriage, there is no family. And so what do we discover? You must build a marriage first before you build a home. A home doesn't build a marriage, but a healthy, godly marriage builds a healthy, godly home. We've got to be careful because we can surround our lives around our kids. A kid doesn't build a family. A marriage builds a family. So let me set the tone today. Children are one of the greatest gifts that we are given in life by God. Raising children is also one of the greatest responsibilities that we have, that God has given and entrusted us with. And we are entrusted with our children for a season. But remember this, marriage remains long after they are gone. So children are also a great challenge that we have. It's a challenge that we face. Parenting is a full-time job, whether you are married or not. You're still a parent. Man, I could preach on that today. I I, I hate to see people whose marriage is divided and divorced, but whether you are married or not, you're still a parent. 
And being a parent means that you still have responsibility for that child. It's not determined on the fact, now God wants you to be married and joined, but if you're, you still have responsibility. Come on, I'm preaching today. And so there's an effort that's required on every level to be a parent, to be married, it physically, emotionally, spiritually, and financially. A big financial commitment too, to being a parent. And though it's hard work, I believe that you can maximize the joys of raising great children as you build a great marriage. So let me sum it up this way today. Are you ready? How will your children succeed if you don't show them how? They won't. So you've got to show them. But in order to show them success, you yourself have to become successful doing what God says, because that's what brings success, following God. Learn today. We're going to teach you today how to do it God's way, to be the example, and it's never too late to start. I wished that I could have taught this to some of you 20 years ago, but guess what? We've got it going on today. And so it's never too late for us to learn and make the changes that's needed. So today I'm going to give you three principles. A principle is a truth that others depend upon. So we're going to give you principles that's going to help you raise great children as you build a great marriage. So here's principle number one. And if you're taking notes today, you need to be taking notes because you need this. It's also on our Version app. You can follow along there. All the messages are always on your phone and you can grab those with all the notes for everything. Principle number one, marriage proceeds children in priority. Marriage goes before your children. Your marriage must be a higher priority than your children. And it only operates properly when it's first, in first place. It's damaging for us to believe that nothing is more important than our children. And that's where a lot of us fall. Well, my kids are my number one concern. No, they're not. In fact, we discover from God's word there are two other things before your kids. Your kids come third. The first place belongs to God. He's your number one. That's the priority of your life is God. And then your relationship with your spouse is before your relationship with your kids. So today I want to show you why prioritizing your marriage over your children is critical. We're going to give you some points under principle number one. So here's the first one. Marriage only works when it's most important. God's law of priority that we shared about last week basically says this. You've got to prioritize God first, then your spouse, then other things after that. And God didn't put it up for debate or question. Well, I disagree with that. Well, guess what? You're not God. And how's it going for you lately? How are you handling your problems? The problems we have is because we don't surrender and submit to God and we think we know better. So when we violate his priority, our marriage suffers. Your marriage will suffer. Maybe today your marriage is suffering because children have become a greater priority than what your spouse should be. Now, I understand there's seasons. Kelly and I, five years ago, we had a little boy, Judah. He's a a surprise blessing from God. Let's put it that way. And he is incredible. But five years ago, Kelly didn't give me the attention that she could have given me because there was a child now that took her time and energies. 
So she had to give more energy and more commitment for a season to Judah. Now the thought was, as the season, and he changed, and he began to get more dependent or more independent, and he didn't have to so much, then the attention swung back where it belongs. So the priority stays the same, but there may be seasons where we may have to make adjustments for a short time, not for a livestock. For a short time, a season, but if we don't watch, our seasons become the new norm. They're 16 now. They don't need your attention. Your husband's needing it. Do you see what I'm saying? So we've got to realize it only works when it's important. Here's the next point for you. Our relationship with God and our spouse enables us to be good parents. If you want to be a better spouse, you want to be a better person, move in closer to God. The relationship we have with God is vital for success. In Galatians chapter 5, We see in this chapter, we read about not walking after the flesh, but walking after the Spirit. We see the fruits of the flesh, but then we're presented with what's called the fruit of the Spirit. A lot of people misquote and say the fruits of the Spirit. Why? Because they are plural in what they look, but really they are singular for this reason. God doesn't want you just to have one and not the other. God wants you to have the fruit of the Spirit, every one of these operating in your life. Love, joy, peace, patience. I love how one translation says long-suffering. Isn't that a great definition of patience? Sometimes you've got to suffer long and just hang in there. It's long-suffering. But love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. The fruit of the Spirit. God wants you to have those. But listen to the verses that he concludes with in chapter 25, verse 24 and 25 of Galatians 5. It says this, but those who belong to Christ Jesus, those who are in relationship, that's the thought. They are connected to God. They have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross. They have crucified the flesh. They have crucified it there. Verse 25. And since we are living by the Spirit, now because of our relationship with God, what happens? We are now going to follow His leading. The Spirit's leading in our lives in every part of our lives. So my relationship, my commitment, my connection to God is so vital because it leads that which is going to follow. So my relationship with God needs to be that which is directing me to be a better spouse, to be a better parent, to be a better person. What's first affects what comes next. God first, your spouse number two. And I'm telling you, God is the thermometer of your life. Or really the thermostat, better said, of your life. God is the thermostat of your life because wherever you are with God is going to be where you are with your spouse and with your kids. If you're hot with God and everything's great with God, you're going to handle and talk to your spouse and be a lot nicer than what you were last week. You're going to have more patience with your kids because your relationship with God is so important. The next one, your child's security and happiness comes from you having a positive relationship first with God and then with your spouse. I know this to be so true. Most of you in here know my mom and dad. My mom and dad are awesome. They're coming back this week, so they'll be here next Sunday. But love my mom and dad. 
I grew up in a home where I can't really even tell you, remembering seeing my mum and dad really fighting and arguing and disagreeing. Did they have arguments and disagreements? They probably did. But they didn't have them in front of us. So all we knew was security and happiness. So as a result of that happening in the home, guess what happened to Philip? I was secure and happy. I was a happy person. Anywhere I went to, I felt security. I felt security to, to be. I, I didn't second guess myself all the time. I felt from the platform of my home, there was nothing that I couldn't achieve and nothing I couldn't do. I was happy outside the home because I had all those pieces presented and laid out for me. Kids can feel the tension, mum and dad. Kids can know it. Oh, you can be behind doors, but they can still hear the screaming. They can still hear the hollering and the disagreements. They know when something's wrong. And what tends to happen is it affects them and they're going to act out. We see kids who are wetting the bed way beyond when they should. Why? Because they are so terrified and afraid. Emotionally, they're wrecked. We see kids misbehaving at school trying to get any attention they can because they're not getting the security they need at the home. They're rebelling. They're disrespectful. And so we've got to be very careful because your children's security and happiness comes from your positive relationship with God and then your relationship with your spouse. Here's the next point. Raising children is a temporary task, but marriage is for a lifetime. Oh, it's an important task to be a parent, but your role is going to change as they grow older and leave the house and then they get married and then they have kids and then you're the grandparent and then you forget everything, remember? But you're always a parent, but their need for you will change. So sad to see Judah now, five years of age, he is so independent, he wants to do everything himself. And as a parent, you're like, sometimes you're like, man, I wish they would walk. I wish they would talk. I wish they would be independent. And then when they get independent, you're like, oh, man, please don't. But there's an independency that we all have. And it can be tough, parents, to feel that you're not needed anymore. In fact, they can say that's why some parents have more children, because they lack that need. They, they want to feel needed. They want, well, that's an insecurity in you. And you've got to let God deal with that. But I'm telling you right now, even though your kids may, when they get older, tell you they don't need you, they still need you. Just their need is different. And they still need you to be there. I still need my mom and dad. And I tell them that. And I still want them to be involved in my life. But here's a great question to ask yourself. Are you ready? Do I want my children's marriage to be just like ours? Let's ask this, if you have no kids and you're not married, do I want to have a marriage like my mom and dad? There'd be quite a sobering thought right there. Because if you cannot say yes to that statement, we're not interested in maybes or sometimes. It's either yes or no. So if you cannot say a yes to that statement, then you need to evaluate what needs to change and you need to make it now. Right now. It's never too late. You may be behind the curve a little bit and it may be harder and a bigger struggle, but it's never too late to make the change. Let me say it another way. Are you setting your children up for success or failure? Because what they see in the home is determining what they're going to be 
outside of the home. So remember, your life speaks louder than your lips do. And when you forsake your marriage for the sake of your children, other things are going to happen. Here's some other things that's going to happen. You're going to go into a big depression when your kids leave. You're going to be so depressed because you're dependent upon them. Here's another thing. You're going to be overly dependent upon your children. You're going to be a problem in-law. Because you're going to be meddling in everything. The Bible says they've got to leave and cleave and you're still holding on and you're not letting them go. And then what else will be the problem? You're going to make your children dependent upon you. A lot of people want that because that's their insecurities they're trying to fuel. But you'll make your children dependent upon you and that's setting them up for future problems. Well, I'm just going to go home to mom and dad. No, the Bible says leave and cleave. You go. Now, do we give advice? Yes, but we cannot have them living in our pocket for the rest of our life. Here's another point under priority number one. You will create resentment within your spouse that will grow over time. If your children are a greater priority to you than your spouse, then you're going to create a resentment within your spouse. It may not surface today. You may not see it today. But just because you don't see it today doesn't mean it's happening. And it's there. They may be not saying anything. They may be not complaining. But they are feeling it. They are feeling that insecurity. They are feeling disrespected. They are feeling unloved, unwanted, and unneeded. It's still there even if it hasn't surfaced yet. So let me give you practical ways that you can protect proper priorities. I call these the PPs. Are you ready? The proper priorities. Proper priority number one. You've got to establish healthy disciplines and traditions. You've got to create time and make time for each other. As a family, you need to have family time. You need to set aside time that as a family, maybe one meal a night, we're going to all be together. And if all your kids are in the home, then every meal you should try and make together. Some of the greatest times you can have around the table. Now, we've got kids at jobs and out of the house, so it's sometimes a challenge to get everyone together. But we try to set in place family times where we come together and we tell our kids, if you can be there, great. If you can't, well, we're going to be there anyway. Because if you're trying to arrange schedules around everyone sometimes, but you've got to create time for family, but you've also got to create time for each other. You've got to have a date night. You've got to have date time. You've got to let that be a priority. Maybe even schedule once in a while a couple's weekend. Come on, a couple's weekend is not three or four going. A couple's weekend is just the two of us going. And then remind them while you're going away. Mom and dad are going away for a few days because we want to be better parents. And the more we love each other and the more we love Jesus and we just need a break sometimes so we can come back and we can be the parents that you want us. Just tell them, show them kind of things. Create habits of success. You're always going to have things fight against family time, date nights, but make them a priority. Put them on the calendar. Set a time. Make it a date. Here's PP number two. Proper priority number two. You've got to budget your time and your energies. Just like you hopefully do your money. If you budget it right, you're going to have enough left at the end of the month. And so you've got to budget your time and energy. Don't overdo one because you're going to neglect the other. There are only 24 hours that every one of us has in the day. So we cannot make more time. Have you ever said, well, I'm just going to make more time? It's impossible to make more time. 
All you can do is steal time. And where we tend to steal that time from is our top three priorities, which is God, our spouse, and our kids. So we tend to take from God first. Oh, he'll understand. He knows I've got to do this. And we will steal time from our priorities to feed it to something that's not a priority. So here's proper priority number three. You've got to protect your higher priorities from the lower ones. Got to look at your life and say, hey, my kids are important, but my spouse is more important and God is more important. It doesn't matter what your priorities are if you don't protect them. Well, this is my priority. Prove it. Show it. Protect it. Put it into place. Fight for it. No one's going to fight for your family. They're going to fight against your family to steal your time away from your priorities. Fight for it. So what's our number one priority? It's our spiritual priority. We must protect that. And as we protect that priority, what are we doing? We're teaching our children to protect that too. We're showing them the importance. When we go to church every Sunday, we're showing our children the importance of being in church and loving his house. Come on, when we're reading our Bible every day and we're praying, we're showing them the priority of God. Judah and I on Friday, we were sitting on the couch. He was playing Minecraft or something beside me. He says, Daddy, watch me, watch me. I said, Judah, I will in a minute, but I'm just reading my Bible right now. And I talked to him about reading God's word and and why we do that. And and why you show them proper priorities. You are teaching priorities. Worship and serve. What a great way to teach your children what you should do. That means come to one service and serve in another. Go to God in times of need. That shows spiritual priority. Who are you going to call? Not Ghostbusters. We're going to call God. Kids, here's what we do when we're in trouble. We're going to go to God. Show them the priority. Why? Enjoy God so they won't have to endure God. Enjoy Him. Marriage is the next priority and it must be protect to teach them that the marriage is important. You know, I want to spend time with you, but I haven't spent time with dad. So, so here's what needs to happen. You go to your room. We're going to go and spend some time together, sit on the couch. We're going to relax. We're going to do things on our own. Show them the value that you have and the honor and the love that you have for each other. Be affectionate to each other in front of your kids. They love to see you hug and kiss, even though they go, uh, the joke in our house used to be when we would hug and kiss each other, the kids would go child abuse. I said, well, if that's the only child abuse you're having, we're going to be okay. But all the young people in the house say, just hug and kiss and don't grope each other in front of us. I mean, just be. Here's the thing. Put your kids to bed early. Create a bedtime. Go to parents' house and their kids are up to 11 and 12 o'clock. I don't know how they can function. Set bedtimes, and if the only reason you're doing it is for you to have time with your spouse. Say at 9 o'clock, you're going to be in your room, whether the lights are off or not. You can read, but you ain't coming out of that room because that's me and dad's time. That's our time. We need those times together. Set the priorities. Principle number one. Here's principle number two. Unity is essential. It's essential to be together. That's why we've taken one month out of this year. Think about that. A twelfth of this year we have taken to talk about unity because that's how important 
We think it is. We have 12 subjects, 12 series through a year, and this is one of them because we believe it's essential for your home, for your marriage, and for your future. Mark 3.25, a house divided against itself, that house cannot stand. If a house, if your house is divided, if your parenting is divided, your life is divided, guess what? Your house is going to crumble. The house speaks of your family and kids. They're not going to make it. You're not going to make it as a family if it's divided. You've got to be unified. And even duct tape can't hold that together. So let me give you four essential practices that I really believe will help you build unity in your home. Number one, and that is this. Always present a united front to your children. Never let your kids divide you. Be that two-headed monster in their eyes, unified and coming together because there's nothing more children try to do than to divide their parents against themselves. So how do we do that? How do we stay united? Disagree, discuss, and come to a point of agreement where? In private. Go to a room, shut the door, And discuss and come to an agreement in private. So when you stand there, you are unified in your decision. In other words, there's only three people in the equation. You, your spouse, and God. Not Johnny or Susie. They need to be out of the equation. Because family is not about a vote. Well, who thinks we should go to church today? Who thinks we should go to? No, we sort that out. We discover what, and then we come and say, this is what we are going to do. Parents make the decisions together and follow through. So don't make significant parent decisions without your spouse. Now, I know that can be hard when you're divorced or you're separated. Because we can say, well, I've only got control over one house. I can't control what goes on in that house. But I want to just pastor you for a minute. And that is this. For the sake of your kids, remove your children out of all your fights, your feuds, your disagreements, your frustrations, and your pain that you have with the baby's daddy or whoever it is. Just leave your kids out because they are the innocent party and they don't belong in that. And here's what you need to pray. Even though we may be divided, we need to ask that God would help us to be united parents. And it can happen. How do you know it can happen? Because it happened for me. I know that. I had a divided and I was fighting and my kids were going and there were certain rules and then they were coming to me and it was a struggle. And I prayed about it and I said, God, we can't have this. And one day there was unity that came and we came to an arrangement. Come on, come to an agreement that they can be raised in different homes, but under the same rules and the same standards. There may be a slight compromise that you may have to do, but support each other. Stand behind each other's discipline and correction. If they're grounded from their cell phone with their mums, then they need to be grounded at their dads too. 
Because the worst thing you can do is say, oh, you can have your cell phone here, trying to get them to come and trying to win them over. You are doing what? You are undermining the authority of the other parent. But really, here's the picture you need to see. Who are you undermining? You think you're hurting the other person, but the person you're really hurting is your kids because you are digging under them. And one day their world is going to crash and they're going to fall through that floor because you've taken away that foundation from under. You're not hurting that other person. You're hurting your children. You're hurting your kids. Second point, always honor each other in front of your children. And make sure your children honor your spouse. You're not going to speak to your mother like that. You're not going to have that attitude towards your dad. Honor each other. Don't talk about your spouse in front of your in-laws, outlaws, or whoever laws you have. Don't degrade each other. Don't put each other down. And never have to allow your spouse to have to defend themselves to your children. Because here's what unity means. Look what it says on the screen. Unity, what happens to you is happening to me because we're a team. That's what unity is. Whatever's happening to you is happening to me because we're a team. If they're disrespecting you, they're disrespecting me. If they're dishonoring you, they're dishonoring me. Well, I won. Well, if they lost, you both lose. The only way you win is if you both win and then there's a win. And so you've got to make sure that your home is winning on both sides. Number three, never allow a significant difference to develop in how you express love or you enforce punishment or discipline. In some homes, we can call this the good cop, bad cop. You've got the one parent that is the bad person, and you've got the other one that's trying to protect their children from being spanked or disciplined. Oh, don't hurt them, don't hurt them, don't hurt Listen, I'm telling you right now, you are doing nothing but creating unhealthy extremes and creating opposites that are not good. If there has to be the enforcer, the disciplinary in the house, that is fine. But that enforcer needs a supporter. And that supporter is you if you're not that person. You need to completely back them up, not undermine their authority. And if you have a difference of opinion, then you handle that in private so you can come back unified and together. I remember in our house, my mom just had to say these words, just wait till your father gets home. The worst words that you ever heard. My mom liked the wooden spoon. Anyone remember the wooden spoon? My mom had the wooden spoon. The first warning is this. If you don't behave, I'm going to get the spoon out. The second warning was she would shake the drawer. You know, the cutlery drawer, and you would hear it just shake. And you knew you better shape up. And then the third one was the spoon was out. Now, when I got a little bit older, we had this central island in our, in our kitchen where we had a bar area where we sat all the way around and then it had a high area. So, so what we would have in the end, we would be like one side and we'd be go, 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 going and, and mum would be like running and I would be running and we'd be stopped. So mum wised up to this. So in the end, she just would lay the spoon on the counter and say, just wait till your dad gets home. At what point? Here's me. No, 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 please. Come on, we're backing up into that. Come on, give me one for tomorrow too. I don't want dads. I'll take the spoon any day over dad's hand, huh? Anyone with me on that? But you see, I always knew this. My mom would always follow through with what she said. She couldn't be bought. She couldn't. She was not necessarily the number one enforcer. She was with us more, so she had to be the more ongoing 
But she supported, my dad supported, they were a team together. And that is so important. Because you've got to watch for extremes at all costs because your children become the casualties. Your children become the casualties. Never as a parent say this, if you hadn't have told your dad, I would have let you do it. Never be the one to say, wow, if it was just up to me and it was just my decision, I would have let you go to those people's. Don't ever be a divided front like that. Don't ever be the parent that says, hey, let's just keep that a secret and they don't need to know. Look at this statement. Children do not develop properly if both parents are not expressing affection and are forcing discipline. For your kid to be healthy, both parents need to love and both parents need to discipline the children. They need to express that. And I hope you heard what I said today. Both are needed and essential. Listen, if you're single today, let me talk to you for a second. Look at me if you're single today. You may have to be the enforcer and everything, the supporter right now, because you don't have but just you. So you've got to play both roles right now. It can be tough, but it's not impossible for sure. But I'm telling you right now, Here's what you need to do. You need to make sure that your children are interacting around other families and other people and other leaders. So here's the best way to do that. Be in church. You want a family? Look around you. You got a family. You can get help. A number of years ago, we changed how we did our nursery. We used to just have ladies in the nursery. I thought of a man being in the nursery like horrified us till I had someone who was high up in childhood development. And they said to me, because we brought them around and said, have a look at our facilities. What can we do? They said, well, why don't you have men in here? I'm like, well, why? I mean, for obvious reasons. They said, no, you need to have men in your nursery for the development of your children. Because many children today are grown out with no male figure in their homes. Now, the men in the nursery don't change diapers. They don't take the children to the restrooms. That's a big no. But they love to play the kids. You know who the kids' favorite is in the nursery? Mr. Lonnie. Mr. Lonnie, the kids love Mr. Lonnie because they need to get on the floor and, and roll around with a guy and just fight and play and interact. And so we need that because together we're a family. Number four, you've got to be prepared to go outside your marriage for counseling and input. Ask for help at times. If you're at an impasse in your marriage and you can't come up with a decision in private and you've tried, but you just can't agree on something, then you need to bring someone else in. And it's not a sign of weakness, but it's a sign that you want to grow and learn. Get in a group too. I think that will really help you with this. And we say this a lot, but you need to be in a group because you can be around other people and say, what, you too? Me too. And you can get the help and support you need. You can get the accountability that you need to be that spouse, that parent, that person that you need to be. But I will also say this, be careful who you ask for help. Because if you're needing help as a parent, you need to at least ask someone who's a parent. Because if you start going to people who aren't parents, oh, they'll give you a lot of advice. If that was my kid, if that was this, then I would do this. Well, tell me about your kid. Well, I don't have one. Well, if you don't have any, then you don't have any right to tell me about what I need to do. And so be very careful with that. Go to someone who's a successful parent and doing it right and ask them for wisdom. If you want help in marriage, don't go to someone who's single. 
Go to someone whose marriage you admire, you look up to and say, I want a marriage like that. And definitely don't go to Google. Here's one thing I'll say. If you are disagreeing and you're not coming to an agreement, you better not post your business all over social media. Oh my God, what a cancer that is. It's destroying families and homes because you'll sure find plenty of people who've got plenty of opinions on there. But it's not what man needs to say. You need to know what God says. I love this when I heard about counseling. People can come to counseling. We've got a great pastoral care team here. But you don't just go to counseling for advice. Because most of the advice you're going to get when you're counseling is probably something you don't want to hear because that's why you're there, because you can't come to an agreement on your own. So you're going to be told stuff that needs to change. And when we just want advice, we can say, I like that, don't like that. But the best way to approach counseling is this. I want to submit to whatever you say. That's what counseling should be. If if I'm wrong, then you need to tell me. I'm here, if as a husband I'm wrong and I'm treated, I want to know because I want to submit because I want to grow and I want to learn. Why? Because help is a sign of wisdom. One more principle, principle three. I'm going to let you out real quick, I promise. You still with me today? Taking that's a lot of information, huh? but it's good. It's going to change your life. Principle number three, and that is this, parenting takes faith. Lots of faith and lots of prayer. Lots of faith and lots of prayer, lots of prayer and lots of faith, lots of faith and lots of prayer, lots of prayer and lots of faith is needed. Hebrews 11 verse 1, faith shows the reality of what we hope for. What is faith? I may not have it, but I'm hoping for it. I may not see it yet, but it's evidence of things that I don't have. I don't see yet, 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 yet. Well, it doesn't say yet. Well, it does because that's what faith is. I may not have it yet. But I'm seeing it. I'm believing it. I, I, I've got to start seeing beyond the hurt and the pain, the disappointments of today. I've got to trust in God. But while I'm trusting in God, here's what also faith is, being the right person. It's not just trusting in God, but it's trusting in God while I am leading them the right way. A lot of people are trusting God for their kids, but they're living like hell themselves. And if you want the rewards of heaven, you can't live like hell and get those things. And so you've got to live right. You've got to set the example. Parenting takes faith because it's a process. And many of the desired results cannot be produced immediately. But look at God's word. Proverbs 22.6. Train up a child in the way they should go. And when they are old, they will not what? Depart from it. Training doesn't mean talking. Training means showing. Not just what I say. It needs to be what I do. True faith is living a life that pleases God and then believing that God's going to take care of the rest. If you do your part, faith says, I can trust God with the rest. But you better make sure to the best of your abilities, you are doing your best. Oh, it includes telling, but the key is to show and to lead by example. If you are watching something that your kids shouldn't watch, don't watch it. If you are listening to things that you wouldn't want your kids listening to, don't listen to them. If you're going somewhere you don't want your kids to go, you don't belong there yourself. Lead by example. Show them how to live successfully. So when they face challenges, 
You now can have the faith that they will return to the example that you have given them one way. You set the course. You train them up, the Bible says, in the way they should go. A train runs on what? Tracks. You set the tracks. They may go off track and off course, but you are still setting the course for their lives, whether they are choosing to be on it today or to not. But you can know that in the future they can find it again. So band, come back if you could, if you're around somewhere. Let me just give you three helps, three helps right now. Three helps. Don't blame yourself or each other for the problems. Raising children is a process. You've got to have faith that they return to. We're so quick to look at ourselves and say, it's my fault. It's your fault. If you hadn't been this. And there is fault to be found and we need to examine our hearts. But don't blame yourself for the problems. Look at this statement. I think this could perhaps revolutionize some of you right now just in this place. You're not a bad parent because your child has problems. You're just a parent. You're just a parent. Because parents can do the right thing and their children can still go wrong. The prodigal son was an example of that. He had a great dad. But he still left. What does that tell us? That even in the best environment and giving them everything that they need, kids can still make the wrong decisions for themselves. But, 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 it's not the end of the story. If you've trained them by faith and you've led them right, guess what? They're going to know the way home. So when they find themselves and come to their senses, they're going to know the way. And what do we do in the meantime? Every day we look out for them and we wait for them and we get ready to love them and we pray for them and we love them because they're going to come home. They're going to come home. Satan is out to destroy the family unit by any means possible. And it just seems lately, doesn't it? He's added some real powerful new weapons to his arsenal. And new things that we see around us that weren't struggles a few years ago. And they're so in our face today. But don't give up. Don't allow the blame to condemn you and defeat you. Number two, don't take a picture of your circumstances and give up. A picture can lie because it's only a moment in time. There's 24 frames per second in a movie. 24 still framed pictures make up one moving second. And a picture can lie. Because it may be happening at that point, but you've got to keep the camera rolling. Don't build your life according to the moment. Keep the film rolling. Keep believing and confessing your faith. Oh, it may be happening. Something may be taking place in your kids you don't like. But don't freeze frame on that moment. Keep the camera rolling. Because don't see your circumstances and give up. You've got to be prophetic and not photographic. Prophetic and photographic thinking sounds like this. Prophetic thinking thinks, believes greatness is in every child because God put it there. God, you're going to come through because I know you put something inside of them. But photographic thinking says that child will never be any better than they are right now. It's a lie. And last but not least, you've got to follow God's word. God's word is so important because what are you basing your future on? Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding. In everything, acknowledge God. He'll direct your path. Make it personal for you. God, I'm going to trust in you. I'm going to trust my family, my spouse, my future, my life. I'm going to trust in you with everything. 
I'm not going to go my own way, but God, in every way, I'm going to acknowledge you. I'm going to follow your path. And God, your promises, you're going to help me. You're going to strengthen me. He said, today we're giving you three principles that will change your home, that will bring unity to your home. Marriage precedes children and priority. Unity is essential and parenting takes faith. Would you bow your heads all over this place right now? Just bow your heads.